Good morning, everybody. Welcome back, students and faculty. Who's ready for another year? Yeah, that's, that's, that's the enthusiasm I like, yeah. We're looking forward to connecting, reconnecting with our Chi Alpha students over the next few days and hopefully connecting with dozens more that we haven't met yet. But thank you, Pastor Kevin. Thank you, Silver Creek Church, for taking the time to honor the people who make up our university, our faculty, staff, students, even alumni. And as campus ministers, we appreciate the opportunity to come and, and talk about the things that God is calling us to do through NMU Chi Alpha and uh, especially to say thank you for your financial support and prayer support. Uh, we could not do this without you. Like, we could not do this without you. Silver Creek's support, financial support of, of Chi Alpha is, uh, is over 10% of, of what we need. So uh, we couldn't do this without you. Every win that we experience in NMU Chi Alpha is a win for you. Every time a student decides to follow Jesus, that's, that's credited to Silver Creek Church, uh, Church's account. So we thank you for your very generous support. I want to uh, start out this morning by taking you back in time a little bit. Uh, just under 11 years ago, it was a beautiful fall morning, October 2007. Our family was living in a, a small Islamic country in Central Asia. We were there working in university ministry. And that particular morning, I was driving to my Russian lesson. So. Uh, it's the morning rush hour. I'm driving up one of the main streets in the capital city of this country, and I notice up ahead that cars are pulling off to the right side of the road. And I get closer, and I see that there are two police officers in the road directing everybody to stop, and they're stopping everybody. So I, I pull off the road, I gather my documents, I get out of the car, which is how they do things there, and I, and I wait and, and, and just kind of observe. And it takes me about 30 seconds to realize that this is a sobriety checkpoint. Yeah, 8.45 in the morning, a sobriety checkpoint, and, you know, which says some things about uh, that society. And I'm thinking, okay, good, this, this isn't gonna take long, right? You know, they, they wanna make sure the drunk drivers are off the road. It's like, okay, I, I can be on my way. And uh, one of the officers comes up looks at my documents, sees that I'm a foreigner, and you know, all my paperwork is in order, all the stamps and signatures are in the right places. So I'm, I'm thinking, okay, this, this isn't gonna be long, I'll be on my way. Shortly, he should just let me go. Instead, he says, breathe at me. Okay, and, and my Russian at this point is good enough, I can have a conversation with him, but he's, he's not sure what my level of Russian is. So he, he shows me what he, what he wants me to do, he says, he says, breathe at me. So I say, okay, uh, all right. So I lean in and exhale in his face, and he says, you've been drinking. Yeah, which is lie number one, okay? He says, you've been drinking. Do you have vodka in the car? And I says, no, I, I haven't been drinking. I don't drink. I, I don't have vodka in my car. And I was tempted to ask, why do you want some? But I didn't, I didn't say that. Uh, I'm respectful of law enforcement. And you know, he, asked me, he asked me, all right, so where are you going? I tell him I'm going to my Russian lesson. And he says, your Russian is fine, you don't need lessons. Which was lie number two, because my Russian was not that good. So he asked me again, where are you going? I said, I'm going to my Russian lesson. You can see in the car, my, my Russian lesson books are right there. So he looks and is somewhat satisfied and goes off to harass another driver who has just pulled up. So I, I stand there just kind of waiting 
And, and, and I wait, and I wait, and I wait, and I start to get annoyed because one, I'm easily annoyed, and two, this is gonna make me late. So I was like, what, you know, what's going on here? And after a few minutes, the officer comes back, and he says, uh, you've been drinking and driving your car. This is a crime. I will take you to the hospital. It's close by, and they will take your blood. And I said, "Yet, <laughs> Not gonna happen. So we go around and around. He's, he's like, this will be easy. It won't take long, and then we'll see. And I'm thinking, there's no way I'm letting you stick a needle in me. That's, that's just not going to happen. This goes on for, for minutes. He's still looking at my documents, really looking closely now, because he wants to find something wrong with my documents as well. He's asking, what are you doing in the country? Do you have a family here? On and on. And then I have a flash of genius, okay, a flash of brilliance. This happens once every 11 years or so. So I'm due any day now. I, I tell him, all right, wait right here. I go back to my car. I pull out the small notebook that I keep, I keep my mileage in and a pen and my cell phone. And I come back to him and I lean in toward him really close and make it obvious that I'm looking at his name patch and his badge. And I start to write in my notebook and, and talk as I'm writing it, Inspector Kulov, whatever, whatever his name was. And then I look at his badge and, you know, Piat Adin Vosim Dva, whatever his badge number was. And he steps back and says, whoa, whoa, what's this? And I say, uh, I need your name and number because I have to call my embassy. And I, and I hold up my cell phone. And that must have been the magic words because two minutes later, I'm back in my car on my way to my Russian lesson. And, and you know, with the scene in, in the back, in the rear view mirror, I'm, I have two thoughts. Number one is, thank you, Holy Spirit, for that great idea. And my second thought was, I really need to track down the number for the American embassy. So, so I know what you're thinking. You're sitting there saying, all right, what does this little story have to do with following Jesus? What does this story have to do with university ministry? What does it have to do with anything? Okay, I, I can, I can you know, read your minds, good questions, fair questions. You're very smart people to ask them. Here's the link. Until we lived overseas, I never really thought much about the role of an embassy or an ambassador. It's kind of like out of sight, out of mind. They're out there around the world doing stuff, okay? Uh, but I realized, you know, after living as a foreigner in another country, that the ambassador, by extension, the embassy has a vital role beyond simply approving visas and processing passports and dealing with corrupt local police departments that want to harass foreigners whose Russian isn't very good. So it's, it's a much bigger job than, than all of that. The job of, of an ambassador is to represent someone else. Everything the ambassador does and says intentionally and strategically represents a leader who isn't physically present. So and this, this role isn't limited to nine to five, Monday through Friday, or even special ceremonial functions, or even times of international crisis. The ambassador is always on. The ambassador is always on. It, it, being an ambassador is more than a job, it's a lifestyle. And here's where this idea comes home for us. God is calling us, his people, every one of us, to be Christ's ambassador to the world around us. You know, this planet is not our ultimate home. We are representatives of a kingdom that is not yet fully visible. 
And to bring it one step closer, there are two places in the Bible where the term ambassador is used. They're both used by the, the Apostle Paul. And Chi Alpha takes its name from one of these places. It's in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. The Apostle Paul says that we are Christ's ambassadors. And the people who formed Chi Alpha in the 50s took that phrase, Christ's ambassadors, changed it to Greek because, you know, Greek stuff and university life kind of go together. They changed it to the Greek, Christo Apostoloi. And then they abbreviated it to the Greek initials, Chi, which looks like our X, and Alpha, which looks like our A. So that's where our name comes from. Chi Alpha goes back to the phrase Christ's ambassador. So I want to look at this passage today. This applies not only to those of us who are are studying and, and teaching and working on campus, but all of us who are followers of Jesus. So let's look at this uh, passage, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 11 through 21. This is Paul writing a letter to one of the churches that he had started. And he's dealing with some issues that have come up, and he's also explaining what his ministry is really all about. This is kind of you know, his, you know, the heart of his ministry. So let's, let's start reading there. Uh, verse 11 of 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Because we understand our fearful responsibility to the Lord, we work hard to persuade others. Jump ahead to verse 14. Christ's love controls us or compels us. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have all died to our old life. He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. Verse 17. This means that Anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone, a new life has begun. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to himself. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. We ran up a huge credit card debt and he wiped it away. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. He gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. Verse 20 says, so we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. This is the essence of the gospel. God himself has come to rescue and renew all creation through the work of Jesus Christ. God offers new life to anyone who will receive. But when we do accept this call to a new life, we become ambassadors, calling others to receive it as well. We we respond to the call, and then we relay the call. The word gospel literally means good news, and this is what separates Christianity from every other belief system. Only Christianity, only Jesus says, salvation is available to you, a new life is available to you, a fresh start is available to you, and you don't have to earn it. All this is available to you, you don't have to earn it. In fact, you can't earn it. Jesus has already done all of the work we just have to receive. And all the work we then do in the name of Jesus is uh, in response to his love and sacrifice and not as a way for for us to try to earn his favor. And this is the reconciliation that, that Paul is talking about in this passage. Our sinfulness, our brokenness, our imperfection, our pride, our selfishness, all of this has separated us from our creator who is holy and perfect. But he, through Jesus, made a way for us to have a relationship with him once again. 
So this is the message that we carry as ambassadors in our world. This is the message we carry onto campus. This is the message we carry into our workplace, our neighborhoods, to our families. It's not our message. Paul makes that clear. It's not our message, but he says when we do relay the message faithfully, we are speaking for God. God is speaking through us. So how does that make you feel to think of yourself as a mouthpiece for God? A little scared? A little inadequate? Unprepared? It's a big job representing the King of Kings, speaking for the maker of the universe. So what do we do with this? Do we ignore it? Like sometimes that that seems like a good solution. It's like, I'm just going to pretend I never read that. Or or do we try to make a case that only Paul and his team are ambassadors for Christ? I I don't think so. If we look at this this passage in its greater context, we can see that that being an ambassador for Christ is difficult, but not impossible. And that that it's not just for super-Christians and super-apostles like Paul. Chapters 3, 4, and 5 of 2 Corinthians taken as a whole, kind of describe Paul's philosophy of of ministry. He's explaining to this church that he started what what the ministry of the Spirit is all about and what his role is. And out of these chapters, I can see three steps to become a fruitful or successful ambassador for Christ. So if you're taking notes, three steps to become a successful ambassador for Christ because if God is calling us to do something, We want to do it to the best of our our ability. So three steps, here they are, you can write these down. Step number one is give up. Give up. Step number two, walk away. Step number three, grab a cup of coffee. So three points, guaranteed success. Give up, walk away, grab a cup of coffee. So what do you think? Are you motivated? I'm going to write a book someday, I think. They'll, they'll put it in the uh, inspirational category, self-help. Maybe I'll make it a trilogy. Book one, give up. Book two, walk away. Book three, grab a cup of coffee. So here we go. Let's break them down. Point number one, give up. Give up your old life and embrace your new God-given identity. Verses 14 and 15 say, Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have all died to our old life. He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. Verse 17, anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. Jesus didn't come to make us better versions of ourselves. He came to make us new people. Identity is a major issue in our society and culture, in particular, self-identity, how we view ourselves. Have you noticed this? There's a lot of conversation about self-identity. It's not enough that you're a human being. Uh, You have to find some other labels to slap on yourself so that people can see who you really are. Nationality, ethnicity, political party, sexuality, gender, tax bracket, education level, favorite football team. Just kind of get more and more narrow. We're going to try to find, you know, where we fit. And I think this desire to find the narrowest possible category to fit into comes out of an ignorance or disbelief in who God says we are. We either don't know what God says about us or we don't believe it. 
And what does God say? He says, you're my child. I made you in my image. You're part of my family. You are my beloved. You have a job, a position, a place in my kingdom. You are my ambassador. You're valuable. You're enough. This is what God says to us. Last, last week, Pastor Kevin talked about the voices that we listen to, voices in our own head that control what we think and feel about ourselves and our circumstances. And if you weren't here, the message is on the website, silvercreekchurch.org. Silver Creek Definitely worth a listen this week because this idea is so important that we need to embrace God's identity for us. We need to embrace what he says about us. We need to listen to his voice telling us who we are and he says we're part of his family. And if we're part of his family, if we're part of his kingdom, it's not just for our benefit. He's now sending us out into the world to be ambassadors for Jesus. So think about the U.S. ambassador to Finland. Okay, we have a lot of, a lot of Finnish heritage in the room. Maybe people want to visit Finland. So the ambassador to Finland is a guy named Robert Pence, no relation to the vice president. So from the moment Robert Pence walks out of his house in Helsinki in the morning, he's aware that everything he does, everything he says, every handshake, every statement will be taken as the official American position. He has the responsibility and authority to speak for the president. When he says something, he speaks for the United States of America. And when the Apostle Paul says that we no longer live for ourselves, he's saying that we no longer speak for ourselves. We no longer act for ourselves. We no longer choose for ourselves. Our attitudes represent someone else. Our character represents someone else. Our Facebook posts represent someone else. So the first step in becoming a successful ambassador is to give up. Give up your old life and embrace the new identity as a representative of the King of Kings. So step one, give up. Step number two is walk away. Walk away from your fears and insecurities. One thing as ambassadors for Christ we have to understand is that we are proclaiming a message that is not always popular. Have you noticed this? Because here's the reason. Okay, we are proclaiming the good news that God has made a way to restore our relationship with him. That's good news. It's great news, but it doesn't make much sense. It doesn't really sound like good news until we understand how bad the bad news is. And the bad news that we have to establish is that we're all sinners separated by God in need of a savior. This is not a popular message in our society. It's especially not popular on the secular university campus. Other ideologies will give you a list of requirements to achieve fulfillment, maybe even figure out how to make it to paradise. Some will say that, that your God is a myth. Others will declare that all truth claims are invalid, which itself is a truth claim. And, but no matter what form it takes, the main objective of the opposition is to silence the gospel. That's the objective, silence the gospel. And in an environment like this, a natural response is fear. We're afraid of what others might think of us, we're afraid that we'll be rejected. We'll be afraid that if we write a certain paper in a certain professor's class, it's going to hurt our grades. We're afraid that we'll be labeled as intolerant or bigoted or whatever. So the temp temptation is to keep our mouths shut. But let's look at Paul's words 
He said, we work hard to persuade others. He gave us this wonderful message. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ. We plead. So our actions help to fill out the full story of God's love, but we must use words. In chapter 4 in 2 Corinthians, Paul acknowledges the reality of life, and he kind of talks about some of the things that he's experienced. He said, we are pressed on every side by troubles, but we're not crushed. We're perplexed, but we're not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. Difficult, but not impossible. Jump ahead, verse 13, he says, but we continue to preach because we have the same kind of faith the psalmist had when he said, I believed in God, so I spoke. God will give us the strength to walk away from our fears as well as our insecurities. I think one, one reason that we feel uncomfortable or reluctant in our role as an ambassador for Christ is that we don't feel worthy. Say, like, who am I? Like, who am I to speak for God? Who am I to call others to turn to him? I mess up every day of my life. I fall short of God's standard every single day. And Paul understood this. Remember a little bit about Paul's background. He was, he was a highly educated Jewish scholar. He was a Pharisee, very devoted to Judaism. And he started out as an opponent of the first followers of Jesus. His mission was to chase down and round up these new Christians and turn them into the authorities. Like the, the turning point in Paul's life was the road to Damascus. Now Jesus appears to him, blinds him, knocks him to the ground, and says, I'm calling you to be my apostle. Remember, the road to Damascus, the reason he was on the road to Damascus, he was hunting down Christians. And God changed him from an adversary to an ambassador. So he knew, not one of us is perfect. Not one of us has a clean background. Even in this moment, we're not perfect. He, you know, in the future, we're going to deal with our shortcomings. Listen to this. Don't believe the lie that you have to have everything together and perfect in your life to call others to follow Jesus. That's a lie that you have to have everything perfect. Look in chapter 4 still, verse 7. Paul writes, We now have this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. So this great treasure is in this thing that could just break apart, fall apart. He goes on, this makes it clear that our great power is from God, not from ourselves. It's the treasure that's great, not the vessels. Later on in this same book, chapter 12, verse 9, the Lord says, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. My power works best in weakness. What's, what's he saying? When God works through our weaknesses and imperfections, and are just plain old humanity. It's clear to everyone, especially ourselves, that it's his power at work. We can't take credit for any of this. God uses, uses us. He, he, you know, we, we appear flawed and weak and insignificant, and he uses us to highlight his own greatness and goodness. And, and this, this part is key here. As we spend time every day in God's presence through prayer and Bible reading and worship and other spiritual disciplines, we learn what he's saying to us and wants to say through us. And he makes us more like Jesus, the one we represent. 
so we can walk away from our fear. We can walk away from the insecurities, from the beliefs that we're not good enough. Point number one was give up. Point number two, walk away. Point number three in becoming a successful ambassador, grab a cup of coffee. To flesh it out, grab a cup of coffee with someone this week. Don't just go through the drive-thru, right? That, that doesn't count. Get coffee with someone this week because the kingdom of God is built on relationship. So it doesn't have to be coffee. And I have a little confession to make. I'm a campus minister, and I've realized I, I really don't like coffee. And I, so don't, don't tell that to anybody because I could get fired for that. Um, I, I, I realized that the, the less the drink resembles coffee, the more I like it. So coffee is supposed to be hot and dark and kind of bitter. But I like it when it's cold and sweet and not, and not so dark. So Bigby has this like frozen coffee stuff. I love that. But I've come to realize that's not really coffee. So, so it doesn't have to be coffee. It can be Chinese food. It can be disc golf. It can be music. It can be the Packers. It can be wildcat hockey. The point is to find common ground somewhere, anywhere that you can find it. Building kingdom relationships begins by looking around and asking a question. Where has God sent me? Where has God sent me? Who, to whom has he sent me? One of the, our sayings in Chi Alpha is that you are not at NMU by accident. You're not here simply to earn a degree so that in a few years you can get a good job so that you can live a nice, comfortable life and your kids can play travel soccer and then eventually do the same thing. God has sent you here. He has a purpose for you here. He has someone here for you to connect with and introduce to him. You are Christ's ambassador right here, right now. Our ultimate goal, one of the ultimate goals in Chi Alpha is to make disciples who make disciples, who make disciples, who make disciples, and on and on for the rest of their lives long after they have left Marquette. And what we've seen is that discipleship, just learning to live by the example and teachings of Jesus happens best in community. The truth is that very few people wander into one of our Chi Alpha meetings or events on their own. Almost everyone who comes in and, and sticks with us does so because they were invited and brought by another student or another couple of students, which is even better. That's, that's what we do. That's our model. So every, every year on campus, we see sidewalk preachers. You've, you've seen these guys. They're out, th out there with their signboards, and they're really loud, and they're calling out everybody who's walking by. So you're, you're a sinner. You're a prostitute. You're a sinner. You're a drunk. You're, you're a sinner. You're, you know, you're, you're a cheat. And they'll start arguments, and sometimes students will just kind of ignore it and go on to their next thing, and sometimes they'll stop and engage, and it'll be loud and... and uh, you know, it seems like their goal is to attract a crowd, and they get to wherever they're staying that night and say, hey, yeah, we started eight great arguments today. Like, that's the goal. And I've never seen this technique work. Like, maybe, maybe you have, I've never, but I've never seen one of these displays result in a student accepting God's gift of life and love and joining his family. But I have seen students, followers of Jesus, take on the role of an ambassador and go out and find someone who is far from God or maybe just searching for something more in life. And they grab some coffee together. They sit down for lunch together. They hike up Sugarloaf. They get to know each other. They learn each other's stories. And in this context of friendship, they're willing to listen to what Jesus has to say. 
So God is calling us to be ambassadors for Christ wherever he has placed us. It's a big job, but not impossible. So let's give up. Let's walk away. Let's get a cup of coffee. All right, it's almost time to land this thing. So here we go. If, if you're a student, we would love for you to join NMU Chi Alpha. We're a community on mission with Jesus. We'll be at Fall Fest tomorrow, 11 to 3 on the University Center lawn. Unless it's raining, then they'll move us somewhere else. Uh, our first Chi Alpha night gathering of the semester is 8 p.m. Uh, 8 p.m. Tuesday in the charcoal room in the University Center. Uh, I'm, I'm hoping for 50 to 60 students there. And, uh, and we're going to give them an opportunity to hear what Jesus has to say and the claims that he has on their life. Uh, so we'll do that Tuesday night. Later, uh, next weekend, we have a couple of fun activities. Our, our student-led discipleship groups, we call them core groups, are going to get started. Students, you will make friends for a lifetime and we'll help you discover God's plan and purpose for your life. If you're not a student, but there are students in your lives, direct them to us. We'll take care of them. We'll feed them. It'll be good. Well, Silver Creek Church, thank you for your support of Chi Alpha through prayers and finances and firewood and gift cards and guitar playing. Christopher, Christopher is the only person in the history of NMU Chi Alpha who has perfect attendance. He plays like... <laughs> when, when, when we were starting two years ago, we were looking for a guitar player for, for a worship team. And somebody mentioned that Christopher plays guitar. I didn't know. I thought he just, you know, like invented the bass, and that's what he did. But no, no, Christopher plays guitar too. So, so I've missed stuff by traveling and illness, and Nikki's missed stuff, and Christopher's the only one who's been to every single one of our, one of our meetings. So, um, so Christopher is part of Silver Creek's gift to Chi Alpha, and we, we appreciate it. So yeah, it's an honor. It's truly an honor to partner with this church by working at NMU to make disciples who make disciples who make disciples. We appreciate your prayers. For those of you who would like to, um, to pray for us on a regular basis, to, to just want to know how to pray for us, our plan this year uh, is to send out a short email bulletin every Monday when school is in session with just two or three prayer points, the specific things that you can pray for. Uh, I, I've attempted this in the past and was, you know, I would do a good job for a semester or so and then it would kind of not be so regular. But uh, if you want to do that, if you want to pray for us, we have a sign-up sheet at the Welcome Center. All I need is a name and an email address and just sign up there. Uh, so let's, let's pray together for a great spiritual awakening at NMU and colleges and universities across the country that have already started that are starting in the next couple of weeks. So let's pray and then uh, the worship team is going to uh, lead us in one final song before we close. Let, let's pray. Father, we thank you for the great privilege that we have to be a part of your family. We thank you for the privilege and responsibility that you've given us as your ambassadors in the world around us. So as we go throughout this day, please highlight the, the people and the places and the areas that you're calling us to. Maybe it's campus, maybe it's our workplace, or family, or neighborhood. But we just ask that you will, you'll help us to embrace that identity as a child of God, as an ambassador for Christ. Give us the strength through your spirit to overcome the, the fears and insecurities and anxieties that we have of representing you in our world. And show us those people who are ready to respond to the gospel. Show us the people whose 
hearts you have been working on who are searching for something. They might not even know exactly what it is yet, but we know that you are the answer to their question. We thank you for the privilege of, of being your workers at NMU. Thank you for this church and the generous sacrificial support that they've given to us over the years. I ask that you bless them through their faithfulness, through their generosity, and bless them for, for looking at the students and faculty and staff at NMU as, as a mission field that is in need of hearing your great news. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.